My title is You're Taller and Stronger Than You Think You Are. We've got to Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 13. And my goal today is that we would all grasp the nature of reality and how we fit in. Quick overview, Ephesians has got seven walks in it, seven times it speaks about walking. Chapters one through three are about Christ's work in you from walking in sin and death to walking as a new creation. And then the chapters four and following, there are another five walks. Four one, walk in tune with your amazing new calling. 4.17, walk not in the old self, but putting on the new. 5.2, walk in love. 5.8, walk in the light. And then 5.15, walk in wisdom and in the spirit. And then that 5.15 is expanded out a little bit into several ways, three main ways that we do this. Uh, walking with wisdom in the spirit is, first of all, singing and giving thanks. Second is submitting to one another as spirit-filled people. And this is somewhat surprising because you usually think being spirit-filled is all kinds of supernatural things, but the way Paul says, it's submitting to one another. And he gives three examples of that, and he talks about wives and husbands children and parents, slaves and masters, which we talked about last week. And then he says, take your stand in power and victory. So from walking all the way through, we now come to taking a stand. And that's where we've got to today. And so my title is You're Taller and Stronger Than You Think You Are. Firstly, there are two realms, an earthly realm and a supernatural realm. Then we're going to see your position and your power in these. And the last one is being joined to Jesus, union with the highest and the most powerful. So let's make a start then. Paul used an expression, the heavenly places, five times in the book. And if you just read it without seeing the whole context, you can think, oh, he's talking about heaven. You know, Jesus is raised to heaven, but it can't be heaven, this expression. It can't be, because some of the places he uses it, uh, we're going to look at those places now, and then we're going to look at our passage. 1-3, the Father who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Well, that looks like it could be heaven, but then that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That seems good. 2.6, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 3.10, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God may be made known to rulers, and this word rulers, I've, I've, there's a whole expression of demonic forces. These are demonic powers. So these demonic powers, God make, who are in the heavenly places, God makes known his wisdom to them. And then 6.12 in our passage today, our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the evil spiritual beings 
in the heavenly places. Oh, so this isn't necessarily like a good, happy place where nothing bad is happening. No, this basically means the spiritual realm, the whole spiritual realm. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, we want now to, to have a look at your handout, and we're going to be reading the passage going through this. So if you, uh, if you don't have a handout, raise your hand, and one of our assistants will get you one. So, finally, be empowered in the Lord and in his mighty strength. So it begins with this word, finally, and this is the, the, the conclusion of the book. He's been through all of these steps, and now he's drawing it together in a grand conclusion. And this sermon and the next sermon are going to be looking at that grand conclusion. The next one is the armor of God, which you, I'm sure you've heard of, you know, putting on the armor of God. And this is like the preamble to it. And it's the grand finale of the book, the conclusion. And so it's where everything has been leading up to. So I really want to make sure that we land well in this and really get this. And then he says, be empowered. And it's be empowered it's, uh, it's what's called a passive tense, which it means that you don't have to be powerful, like take on the power. You have to receive a power which is available to you. It's God's power that's there. So be empowered means just receive the power that's been made available to you. Do you get that? It's not like toughen up, do your muscle, muscle building. No, that's been done. You need to receive that power. So in the Lord and in his mighty strength. And we're going, we're going to see in a minute how that mighty strength ties in to right at the beginning of Ephesians. In fact, this whole passage does. It's like, like bookends to Ephesians. It starts with God, the mighty power available to us. And now the climax is this mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, which is going to be much more detailed in the next message. That you have the power to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so power, this theme of power is there again. And we have against there, I've put them, highlighted them in black, we have six against there. And uh, this is like a, almost like poetic again as he goes through putting these together. And uh, so we have the, the, the against, the fight, and then we go back to the power in verse 13. So this is little, little kind of beautiful bookend, power against and power. So what is it we're standing against, these schemes of the devil? Our struggle is not against blood and flesh. It may be in your translation, it might say flesh and blood, but this is what Paul put it that way around. It's just how he did it. Not against blood and flesh. In other words, not against physical things. It's not against people who've got, you know, that are Roman soldiers or, or powers or whatever. This is against spiritual uh, uh, leader, uh, rulers. And the, the words that he used, that uses there, we know from our knowledge of, of, of uh, Ephesus at that time, these are the names that they used for demonic beings in that city, in the occult practices which were very common. We found inscriptions in archaeology uh, with some of these names of these 
references that he uses in this list. So it's very clear here, when he says rulers and authorities, world powers over this darkness, he's not talking about um, just uh, Roman officials. These are occult spiritual entities he's referring to using the names that they would be familiar with. Um, world powers over this darkness. Um, the, I've, I've translated that literally, uh, and it's got an idea of the, the darkness that is there in this present age in, in, in parts of, parts of uh, our, our lives and the power that's there. Against the evil spiritual beings, and this line sums everything up, all of the beings that are there in the spiritual realm. So this is where the struggle is. And then verse 13, matching verse 11, because of this, take up the complete arm of God that you may have the power to withstand on the evil day, in other words, whenever there's a sort of conflict you have in your life, you know, we may have different evil days, you know, when Satan tries to attack us some way, and having prepared in every way to stand. So, in other words, let's get prepared, and he's going to take us through the preparation in more detail in the next section. But the most important thing that I want us to get today is to understand the identity of, of what reality is and where we, where identity is in that reality. And I'm going to give you a picture here of uh, just very simply, there are two realities. There's the heavenly places and the physical blood and flesh world. And, uh, you know, most people around only believe that the bottom one exists. You know, that's the one science can investigate. That's the world that we see. Uh, and this is, this is when you go out and you look outside, this is what you see, the physical blood and flesh world. But just as real is the spiritual dimension in which all of these other things take place, the, the good and the evil forces taking place in that, in that dimension. And, and so what we need to do then is to understand how we function in the heavenly places, like what? Because if you're not a Christian, then you you're very vulnerable in the heavenly places. You've got you've got you know you're you're out there, but you've got absolutely no defences whatsoever. And we have to understand where what our defences are and what our strength is in that place. So that then is our, the first point: the two realms, the earthly and the supernatural, the blood and flesh and the heavenly realms. We're now going to look at your position and your power, and then end by, end by talking about uh, being joined to Jesus. So here's my little diagram of how it works. And uh, the bottom half then is the spiritual world, and humanity without Christ is like, that's the only place that you have any strength. And um, then you get... What I want you to do is to stand up and to say, no, I exist in both worlds. I am taller. Well, this is my taller than you think you are comes from. Because you can stand, not just in this, but you can stand in the spiritual. You can stand up and say, I am here in the spiritual dimension. I'm present. 
and there. And so the physical world is humanity. Humanity without Christ is only has any, any strength there. But in the spiritual world, we're empowered by the risen Christ. And he, as we'll see, is seated in power. And so I want you to mentally just stretch up this morning and say, no, I am here. I can take a stand here. This is who I am in Christ. And I have, I can, I can survive. I can, I, I am complete. I have all I need in this domain. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that's just pictorially where I want to go here. Um, a few Sundays ago, we had a sermon on the verse, Wake, O sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. And this is exactly what he's talking about. Awake, O sleeper, don't be sleeping. Wake up and, and understand who you are. And uh, Ephesians is rich with allusions to this. And I'm going to go and look at some allusions now to this picture through the book. And I've got, um, first of all, Ephesians chapter 5. Wake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Watch carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, that's down the bottom, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Um, and, yeah, that we can, that, that's, that's the, the imagery there. And the letter opens with a statement of our power, which matches today's passage. So today's passage, uh, chapter 1, says the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty strength. And Paul prays that we will understand this. And you can notice those words in there. And then in what we've done today, verse 10, finally be empowered in the Lord and in his mighty strength. And that's exactly the same phrase, that mighty strength. And so you can see that here we're matching his prayer at the beginning and his conclusion at the end, the finally, that he says, right, now we've got to what I was praying for at the beginning, that you would really grasp the mighty power that you have. Let's actually look at the full reference back in chapter 1. And see what he's saying here in this. Uh, chapter 1, uh, opening the book. This is why I also, having heard about your trust in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the holy ones, never cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And what's the knowledge? That your eyes of your heart be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the holy ones, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And here's the, the statement of power. According to the working of the might of his strength, which you worked in Christ, raising him from the dead. Now, I've stepped these in so you can see the different stages. The might of his strength, worked through Christ, raising from the dead is the first stage, seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion and every position that exists, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection unto his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is indeed his, his body, the fullness of the one who's filling all in all. So Jesus, Jesus, the exalted Jesus, is a gift to us. And so we can see that in, this, in the heavenly realms, Jesus has won this amazing victory. And so our passage is read in the context of this one at the beginning of the book. Now, we're going to look at another passage now in the middle of the book. And Ephesians, as I've said many times before, is split into two halves. The first half is about the truth. The second half is living out the truth. The first half begins with this statement of truth. And then, as he draws to an end of the first half, he sums the truth up with these verses here. Um, very similar. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every group in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, with power to be strengthened through his Spirit in your inner being, for Christ to dwell through faith in your hearts, in love being rooted and grounded, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and height, length and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You can see very similar language, and it's the language of being joined to Christ, knowing his love, and having his power. And so, Verse 20 says, Now to him who has the power to do all things far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power that works mightily within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this is why I titled this, not just you're taller than you think you are, but you're stronger than you think you are. Because here is the power. And I'm, I'm giving you these repetitious verses again and again, because I want you to get it. This is such a theme in Ephesians. It's the power available to you. And the prayer is that you would get it, you would understand it. Not that you would have the power, you have it. The prayer is that you would actually understand you'd comprehend what this power is that you have and so you can live through it so um, this is the core message of the book you already have the power you need to live by it you need to understand your identity as one who is empowered by God and so that then is my second point we're going through this quite quickly today. I'd like to now come to the practical outworking, join to Jesus, union with the highest and most powerful. Uh, I want to say that I think that um, out of all of the, the teachings in the Bible, 
that union with Jesus is the one that I love the most because it, it makes me feel most secure. Because if I'm joined to this most powerful being who's raised so high, what do I have to fear? Like, I, that is the most secure place we could possibly is, is inseparably joined to the one who has all things under his feet. And so I want to spend a little time on just settling how our power comes through this connection because I think it's so important. But I'm going to give you a quote now from my favorite commentary on Ephesians, which is Clinton Arnold, because I think he's put it just so well. He's trying to sum up uh, our passage today. The prominent themes of union with Christ and the new identity of believers come to a climax in 6, 10 to 20. Because it is through this relationship and all that it entails that believers are strengthened to resist the powerful attacks from the evil one and his emissaries. The readers are admonished to be strong in the Lord, that is, through growing deeper in a present dynamic relationship of dependence. Do you see that? Growing in strength actually means growing in your connection with Jesus and your, your, under, your dependence on him. Uh, di- dynamic relationship of dependence on the one who is powerful enough to do more than they could ask or even imagine. In chapter 3, verse 20. Simultaneously, they're called to grow into a self-awareness of their new identity. That's a beautiful summary of my message today. And I'd like to show you some verses which I just love because they're so explicit about this, power, this, this connection we have of being joined to Jesus. So I'm going to look in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 and following. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he has loved us, even though we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Now, I want to to really reinforce that the center of the gospel is not like a transaction, I give Jesus my sin and he gives me his righteousness. Something that you can do at a distance. No, the center of the gospel is that Jesus takes me on, I'm joined to him, and because he died, my sins are forgiven. Because he was raised, I am raised. And so it's counted, because I'm joined to him, when he's on the cross, it's counted as me being there. And when he's raised from the dead, he says, we are made alive together with him. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, that is my death defeated. My resurrection is guaranteed raised us up together and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So right now, Jesus is seated to the right hand of the Father, and I am in him. And although physically I'm not there, spiritually I am. And spiritually, that's where my place of power is. And when this, bo- when this body is gone, then it will be revealed exactly where I am in, in, in clarity. So seated us together in the heavenly places, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to, to us 
in Christ Jesus. That is, uh, those are such beautiful words to me. And I do, we need to take these along with Ephesians chapter 1, that you will know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty strength, which he worked in Christ, raising him from the dead, seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion and every position that exists, not only in this age, in the age to come, and he put all things in subjection under his feet. Now, I know I read those verses earlier, but I'm reading them again because I want you to see them as, as being you're joined to this Jesus. You're joined to this Jesus who is, verse 20, risen from the dead, seated at the right hand. Verse 21, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion and every position that exists, you're joined to him. All things are subjection unto his feet. Verse 22, you are joined to him. All things are in subjection to you because of your position. Uh, so this is, I'm going to show you my picture again because I'm very pleased with it, but this is where you are. This is, this is, this is your, and the, 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 the man standing up there is actually standing up in the, the, the shape of Jesus taking on the, um, the fullness of Jesus Christ uh, because Jesus is empowered and they're empowered. And uh, I want to ask what this actually looks like and just talk about what this means in practice because it can sound a bit abstract up till now. What does this actually mean in practice? Well, I want to uh, suggest that there are two realms in which we fight this battle. One's individual, personal, our own issues. The other is the kingdom of God. And both of those, this battle continues. So um, let's just think of, of the kingdom. Um, the um, COVID took quite a, a, um, a, had quite a bad effect on many churches. It wasn't COVID that did it. It was, in many cases, it was um, Satan bringing division in the churches through COVID and just bringing division, you know, the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers and like causing fights and things that happened. But in many cases, it wasn't simply that. It was, it was just uh, Satan trying to discourage people. You know, nobody's coming to our, to our meetings, everybody's, and just a, a level of it discouragement and speaking discouraging words into God's community. And some churches, quite a number of smaller churches, actually ceased to operate because of that. And the people could be very discouraged by that. And uh, uh, there's one not far from us, Trinity Life Church, that's, that uh, 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 hasn't survived through COVID. And I looked at their website, and they've, uh, I was so encouraged by the way they responded to it. They really took this to heart. What they did is they produced a video of 10 years of, because they, they've, they've been around for 10 years since they were planted, 10 years of what God did. And they produced this, that actually made me cry with joy at 
that all the things that they'd done, all the things that God had accomplished through them in 10 years. And so you end up with not failure, but look, look at what God did in 10 years. He did this and this, and look at the people that got brought to Christ, the baptisms that we had, the communities we touched. Praise God for all the things we could do. And okay, so we, we, we're closing the doors now, but like our people are moving on to other things. God is doing great things. And that was just a wonderful way of fighting the spiritual battle and saying, no, we're not going to submit to this discouragement. Because discouragement is one of the main weapons that he uses against churches and against people. Tell you, oh, Look, things aren't going that, that well. You know, you, you, you're a failure. You're useless. And but what they did is, through God's mighty power, as they turned something that could be so discouraging into something that was just absolutely wonderful victory. And I want us to see this. And I'm sure there are people here who are fighting discouragement right now. It's, a, it's an attack of Satan. And sometimes New Life Church here, we've had discouragements and, and, and we need to say, no, we're not going to submit to this. God is ruling and we know his victory is going to be there at the end. Um, so I've, I've spoken of, of, of division and that could be, could be argued that's Satan's preferred way of causing problems. If he loved doing anything, it's doing, bringing division like he did in the Garden of Eden. Um, he liked to divide Christians. And we've got the scriptures I could show you that, that, that talk about that, how he loved to do that. And I mentioned COVID and how he, um, he uh, has, has caused lots of problems in churches. And when COVID started, we actually said to the church, let's actually take this as an opportunity to demonstrate unity. Let's actually say, no, we are not going to be divided by this. We actually want to show that our unity is stronger than this. And by God's grace, we didn't have any kind of split through COVID. By God's grace, and I hope our unity became stronger. And so a his attacks to the division can actually be taken as a challenge which can lead to strength. Um, my dad was a pastor, and I can only remember once growing up seeing him actually bawling, actually literally bawling with, with tears. And I can remember um, him coming up the stairs, and he's bawling, and he said to me, he said, Andrew, Satan doesn't want me in the ministry. And uh, he's a pastor. And they saw him went into his room and, and closed the door, and I just thought, what's happening? And I'd seen some people come and go, and there were some people who were trying to break break the church down through their attacks. And um, he just went to the Lord. I mean, I, wasn't, I didn't see what his prayer was. But God brought them through. God brought him through. It was things were, things were dealt with. The, 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 the attacks were dealt with. And, uh, and I saw God's power against this scheme, this vicious scheme that Satan had. I saw God's power come and defeat that, although I didn't see the details about what was happening in that. But it's a memory that I have so vividly, and I can remember his words so precisely because it was such a, 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 a tangible thing. Um, I'm going to give you some more examples. Let's go to individual examples. Satan tempts us to, to sin. He tempts us all kinds of sins, um, and he's got different strategies for doing it. It says in our passage, it talks about the schemes of the devil, and he's got different plans. So one scheme might be, I'm doing my tax return. 
I got that, got that income through cash. You know, nobody's ever get the government doesn't need that money. Why do I declare that? You know, who's going to know about it? I can see our accountant smiling over here. <laughs> so you know, you know, there's this temptation, and and like this is Satan is this is his words, but it's wrong. Okay, it's the okay. The government may or may not need the money, but that's not the point. The point is that we have to be uh, walk in the light not in the darkness. And uh, we have a temptation personally, temptation to be angry. And sometimes without good reason. And this temptation comes in. He loves to do that. Get us irritated with somebody. And, he, and you need to say, you need to say, hang on, what's going on here? Um, I was uh, just in, in the last 24 hours, I had a point where somebody really annoyed me. And I thought, hey, I know what's going on. God is giving me an example for the sermon tomorrow. <laughs> I actually have to take this as a challenge. Like, am I going to get angry now? Is there a good reason? No. So actually, go away, Satan. I'm not going to be angry. This is actually going to be an opportunity to say, no, this is not where I am, and I'm not going to be angry. So just be, and being attentive to that is, is half the battle. Just being attentive. Where are these things coming from? Hey, that thought there, where did that come from? A lot of this stuff happens in our thought life. Um, so uh, uh, another one is self-deception. You know, the lies that go on inside us. You know, um, you've had a hard day. Um, you know, you deserve another beer. Yeah, why not? Okay, maybe you've had several, but why not have another one? You know, you've had a hard day, and that kind of these words, sort of self-deception coming in, uh, and uh, uh, that he loves to do that, to tell us that something actually is fine, it's innocuous. Um, you'll be okay watching that. It'll be fine. Um, you know, you're a strong Christian. You can cope with that sort of thing. And it's just, he's, he's deceptive in his schemes. He's very clever. And we need the wisdom to see through them. Another one, which is really, really uh, powerful, both individually and corporately, is fear. He wants to make you scared. He wants to make you afraid. He wants to make you afraid in, in the area of finances, in the area of um, of your security in lots of different ways, and uh, it's uh, he he wants to make you afraid of actually um, even doing something that's right because you could get some kickback for doing something that's right. So there was a situation once um, I I was in a, a church service and. I saw there was somebody with little, with some mental illness problems, not a lot, but just little men mental illness problems causing a little bit of, of a commotion, nothing really very major. But um, uh, I discovered later that there was a contingent within the church that was, um, that was uh, trying to push the church in a particular way, and they called the police. And the police came into the middle. Can you imagine us meeting here? And the police coming in and grabbing somebody and taking them out. And I thought, so I got a choice. I could get really angry about this, or I could say, ah, this could be a bit risky, but I'm going to actually take, make this an issue. I ran out, got a camera, took a picture of the person being put in the police car, um, made, got some prints made of these pictures, found out who the leaders of the church were, gave them a cop each a copy of this, and said, is this the church you want to represent? 
Now, this was a very risky thing for me to do because I had, didn't have PR. My, my, I was quite fragile in my immigration status, and I knew that there were some amongst that who had the influence that could actually uh, mean I had to leave the country. So this was, a, this was a costly thing for me to do. So my choice was, do I succumb to the fear, or do I say, God, which is, right, which is the right thing to do? Well, in the end, I didn't get thrown out of the country. You can see I'm still here. But, uh, but, and actually, they dealt with the issue in the church, and they dealt with um, the, 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 uh, that, those forces of evil that were trying to do that. But, but there's, Satan was... was causing fear in my mind. Do I do this? I know this is right, but do I do this? Do I take a stand? And you might have a situation in the workplace or in some other situation where you, you could be a whistleblower or you could not, and what should you do? And Satan speaks fear into you. Fear about what could happen if you didn't do what was right in God. So... Um, so I want to suggest to you then that there are, I've just given you a few examples. You could probably multiply some examples in your, in your own story, but both individually and in the kingdom, Satan is attacking all the time. And he's attacking through lies, through fear, through deception, through um, careful cunning schemes that suggest things aren't the bad, as bad as you think they are. Um, sometimes he sends wolves into the flock and sends people in, and they look like they're fine Christians, and they actually are vicious wolves, and they tear things apart. And um, unfortunately, I know some stories about that. I'm not going to go into them today, but just horrible things. And uh, And... You must not be discouraged. You must take heart that you're, you're joined to Jesus. Your destiny is absolutely uh, not, not at risk at all. You are, you are going to be with him. And so if you, say, if, you, if you have that fixed in your mind, then you won't worry. So let me give you an example. So I had some worries, and some of you may have about my my immigration status when we were first here. And, you know, am I supposed to be in Canada or not? And the thought came to me, um, you know, I've done what I can. Uh, can I imagine you know, when I'm in heaven saying to God, um, God, um, I know you wanted me to live life in Canada, but, you know, you didn't provide for my immigration, so how could I have done what you wanted me to? God's saying, well, you, 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 you should have done something in Canada. That would be ridiculous. Of course, if God has a, if God has a, a, a calling for me in Canada, then he will provide this, my status. If he doesn't provide it, then obviously he has some other plan for me. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about key things uh, I could worry about, am I going to get this job or not? And, and do, if I don't get the job, obviously God has something better for me. He's not going to say on the last day, Andrew, why didn't you get that job? Because that's out of my control. We do what we can, and then we leave it with him, and we say, I have the greatest power in the universe on my side. I'm just going to allow him to map out my life for me. I do what I can. I ask for wisdom as I can, but I'm not going to stress out about these things I can't control because he is the one who on the last day I will see he's acted perfectly. He had everything in, in his, in his plans. So 
I want to suggest to you that uh, the big picture of being joined to Jesus and him being above everything, and I would include what he's above, he's above immigration officials, right? You agree with me? <laughs> yeah, he's above, he's above you know, all the other kind of uh, legal systems that we have, all the financial systems. God is above all of those things. He's above the hiring uh, organizations that, the, the, you know, you might be applying. He's, a, he's above the, the people who are marking the exams that you've taken. He's above all of these things. He is above all of the things that you might worry about. And so the main thing that I'm asking you to do today is really to, to, to stand in that place. And I've got it summarized on this last slide now. So here, here we are, your new identity. You live in two realities a material reality and a spiritual reality. There is a huge war that is raging in this spiritual dimension. This war is raging in this spiritual dimension, and Jesus has been raised above all powers. So what is our response? To, to recognize that we have been joined inseparably to him, and this power is available to us, and we need to wake up and take a stand with courage, and I'd say with joy, with joy, that knowing that ultimate victory is certain. So can we do this? Do you think we can do this? Are, you, does these scriptures, are these scriptures clear enough for you? Can you hang on to these? I want these scriptures to empower you. I want you to be a life force within you that just takes you through and you say, I am just so longing to be with my Jesus and, and thank him for the victory that he's given me in this life. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are raised above all other powers. You're now seated at the right hand of the Father and we are joined to you and we pray, God, that we would, all of us here, have the, the joy and the conviction to live out of this new identity, that we will be so sure of it that it will give us um, empowerment and peace and strength in our lives. Bless us now to walk in this truth in Jesus' name. Amen.